Hey everybody, this is Basil, and that over there is Gans. Say hi, Gans. Hey, what's up, guys? Hi. Okay, so everybody, close your eyes, except if you're driving. Close your eyes and imagine a world where the internet is down or censored or really expensive or reserved for the elite of the world. You know, kind of weird, kind of crazy, maybe not, who knows? Or you just don't pay your internet bill. Anyhow, what would happen to Canary Cry Radio if the internet disappeared? We would disappear too. Horrible news. But there's something we can do about it. So what we're going to do for the next few episodes as we approach episode 100 is we are going to be making available uh, awesome waterproof USB card drives that's going to contain within it the first 100 episodes of Canary Cry Radio. Which includes all the flybys and all the artwork from every episode as well. That's not all. It'll have a musical album with all of the wonderful music. Well, the best tracks that Gons has picked out. Also, we're going to have little notes on each episode because, you know, that was a long time ago. So Gons and I have things to say. For instance, the 2012 End of the World episode. We got some things to talk about here, guys. It's 2015. So if you're interested in getting involved in creating and dispersing these USB drives with Canary Cry Radio so they can survive the apocalypse. These are post-apocalyptic USB hard copies. We have a very special way for you guys to do that. Now, we're going to do it kind of NPR style, which is you can go to the website or other places that we'll tell you about later, and you can sign up for a $15 a month subscription or gift to Canary Cry Radio. And we'll send you one of these drives, and you can have it and share it, put it in your wallet, save it forever. It'll be there. Information, locked in, solid. Also, what this is going to do is help Gons and I be a little bit more consistent with putting out episodes. As you can see, the past few months have been a little bit hard to be consistent. And that's just because, you know, life gets in the way. When we want to, you know, make a new episode or something, but lo and behold, Gons has got to pay a bill for electricity because our lives are run by electricity. Or I have to buy gas so I can go to this store or do something like that. Or one of these crazy internet charges pops up for Canary Cry Radio. What's going to happen is all the money that we use to make all these USBs will go directly to helping Canary Cry Radio be more consistent. Imagine a world where you log on and there's just a Canary Cry Radio episode waiting for you there. Weekly. Consistently. It's going to be amazing. That's what me and Gons are trying to get to. We're trying to get to a place where we can create more episodes, get some more information out there, do more great interviews, do more great <laughs> songs <laughs> or whatever we do, and be more consistent with that. If that's something you're interested in, and if you're interested in preserving the first hundred episodes of Canary Cry Radio for you and putting it out into the world in hard copy, please consider going to Canary Cry Radio and signing up for this $15 a month gift. Oh, and by the way, if oh. you are already a $15 a month or more giver. giver, then we'll just send it to you. You just get it. You're grandfathered in. It's great. And if you're already, say, a $5 giver, you can just go ahead and up that to $15 and we will send you one of these as well. You know, the reason we got to do it is because these USB drives are super cool, super awesome, but also crazy expensive. And each drive will contain more than 10 gigs of data. But enough about that. We've been rambling way too long. 
Okay, so that's available. CanaryCryRadio.com. Support tab. Go, 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 go. Time for the episode. Let's go. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Civil asset forfeiture is really a mechanism by which the uh, state and federal government can seize people's property without having to convict them of a crime. Most people can't afford to hire a lawyer to challenge it. It's really legalized robbery by law enforcement. Philadelphia officials over a 10-year period have seized more than 1,000 houses, about 3,300 vehicles, and $44 million in cash and civil forfeitures. New reaction from some of the small business owners targeted by an IRS law that is designed to catch criminals. The IRS permitted to seize bank accounts without a warrant and without even filing any criminal charges. But now some of these innocent Americans affected say that it has taken a big toll on their lives. And how could it not? So, so this law, just to catch everybody up at home, if you make deposits smaller than $10,000, which many small businesses do across the country, that can trigger an IRS investigation, and then they can take the money out of your account on suspicion that maybe you're a drug dealer or maybe you're up to something no good because you're trying to keep it under that 10000 threshold. Let me make this very clear. Dr. Ken Hovind has served 100 months in jail, not for tax issues. Uh, you'll do a Google search and they'll say that he's a tax protester or a tax evasion or whatever. Dr. Ken Hovind has spent a hundred months in jail, eight and a half years, for the issue of structuring. And just recently, the commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service, John Koskinen, just came out and issued an apology to Americans all across the spectrum for having misused the idea of structuring in seizing bank accounts. If my recollection is correct, there's like 127 people across America last year who had their bank accounts seized because of charges of structuring. Problem here are civil forfeiture laws. Civil forfeiture laws allow the government to take your property without charging you, let alone convicting you of any crime based upon a mere suspicion that your property is involved in crime. So they can take tens of thousands of dollars based on these small deposits and just say, sorry, you put up the red flag, you should have put in $12,000 and filled out the government form. I, I mean, it, I, I think this is absolutely unbelievable to people who hear this story. Why don't they need a warrant? Why don't they need to say to you, what are you up to? Well, they do get a warrant, but it's what's called an ex parte warrant. So it's only the government side that it tells their story to the government, and then they seize the money. The problem is they're not doing any serious investigation in these cases before they're grabbing the funds. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 96. 96. 96. 96. Uh, uh, Okay. Movements (laughs) usually begin when pioneers go against cultural trends and explore issues few are willing to address. In the Christian truther movement, a handful of early exposers of the New World Order launched a genre that has now become effectively an online underground digital church. A select few of those early trailblazers of the Christian truther movement have been silenced by authorities who saw them as a threat, not only in exposing their nefarious agendas, but also in providing the gospel message of Jesus Christ through this unique platform. 
One man who many consider to be a forefather of this movement is Dr. Kent Hovind. Dr. Hovind is famous for his biblical views of creation and his boldness in standing up against the institutional construct of scientism, particularly in the realm of Darwinian evolution, but is also known for his views on biblical prophecy, conspiracy theories, and his exposure of groups like the Freemasons. In the recent decade, Dr. Hovind served a prison sentence for what many believe was an unjust ruling in the courtroom. His recent release from prison was an answer to prayer for many of the Christian truth or community, and we are thrilled and honored to have Dr. Kent Hovind on Canary Cry Radio. Dr. Kent, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. You sound so chipper nowadays, Kent. I am, I am very chipper. I'm glad to be home. This beats every county jail I've been in for the last nine years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nine years. Oh, and by the way, everybody, we have Sam and Dan from God's Property Radio hanging out in the background there. You can hear them laugh every once in a while, and, and um, we'll be thrown to them once in a while. Say hi, guys. Hey, yo. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So, Ken. Inside the coin. There you go. So, Ken, actually, you've spoken with Sam and Dan in the past, and they were actually kind of the ones who kept me up to date with what was going on with you. I imagine now that you are a free man, that you are getting a lot of phone calls. I am. I cannot believe how the technology has changed. Uh, I've been an evangelist for, uh, been a Christian for 46 years and a Baptist preacher for 42 years, and uh, the technology, uh, since I've been in jail for nine years, I mean, they brought the outhouse into the building. There were no more horses pulling the buggies around. I don't know what they did with the horses. It's a whole lot different than it was when I went in. So, it's, yes, I'm getting plenty of phone calls. It's, it's a real blessing. Wow. So you were incarcerated for, what was it, nine years, you said? Yeah, just short of nine years. Just, just short of dumbest, nine years for the dumbest law ever in the history of the world, in my humble, totally unbiased opinion. Well, why don't you tell <laughs> us a little bit about that? For some people, the, the rare person who might not have uh, heard your story yet. Well, there is a lot of information about this on the YouTube channel, Lone Star 1776, where we did, I did probably 100 programs on there from prison. Wow. Uh, basically, I've been an evangelist speaking on creation, evolution, and dinosaurs. For 25 years, I defend the position that the Bible is literally true and scientifically accurate in every detail. And uh, in 2006, the IRS came with a SWAT team to my house and arrested me and my wife for structuring. And I said, what on earth is that? And they said, well, you took your money out of the bank in amounts less than $10,000. Okay. And... (laughs) They said, well, that, that's structuring your transactions. Anyway, to make a long story short, we went to the trial over it. My attorney said, and my wife's attorney said, don't even give it a defense. There's no crime here. You did nothing wrong at all, which we knew, okay? Every 12 days, my wife would go down and get money out of the bank to keep on hand for all the different projects we had going on in the ministry. Nothing illegal at all, ever. No drugs, no nothing. So we did not give a defense. The judge changed the jury instructions after trial and basically told the jury to find us guilty. And they did. And so they sentenced me to 10 years, and you got to pay back all this money that was withdrawn five years ago. Pay back to who? To the IRS. Now, why they get it, nobody seems to know. I mean, why not McDonald's? Why not give it to, you know, Castro? You know, (laughs) 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 whose money is this anyway? It is just, it's 
if it had happened to somebody else, it would be funny. I'd say, you got to be kidding, but it happened to me. They moved me over 30 times while I was in the prisons. I've been, you name it, I've been there. Uh, and I just got out less than two weeks ago tomorrow. I still got to wear the ankle bracelet for two more weeks and then uh, three years of probation. And they want all that money paid back. They seized all the church property. It's a very bizarre, real bizarre case, overstructuring, which has been in the news a lot in the last uh, in the last year. So it would be important for us to understand what's... The IRS seized 150 small businesses. They seized their bank accounts just simply because they withdrew their money in amounts less than $10,000. Less than $10,000. Yeah, that's bizarre. What yep, is that... What is the thinking bizarre. behind that? Do you, you have no idea? or uh, somebody... I, I still don't comprehend. Congress passed a law because drug dealers were dealing in cash, and they said, oh, if, they, if anybody withdraws over 10000 the bank has to fill out a form. Okay, let them fill out their form. I don't care. And then the drug dealers learned, okay, well, let's go in the morning and take out 9500 and we'll go in the afternoon and take out 9500 and that way we get over 10000 but we don't do it. We don't trigger them to the bank to fill out this, this form called the Cash Transaction Report, CTR. And so then Congress, in their great wisdom, said, well, let's pass another law that says if someone structures their transactions by taking out two or more transactions under 10000 that total over 10000 we'll call that structuring and make that against the law. Okay, well, we never did that. It was one transaction every 12 days. It was not two transactions in one day ever. It was just like there's no crime here, and there's no drugs involved anyway. I've never taken, I've never tasted alcohol. I'm 62 and a half. I did have NyQuil a couple times about 15 years ago. Maybe that, <laughs> but that, I just, it's crazy. Anyway, so <clears throat> that was the law, the structuring law, which I had never heard of. They arrested me, getting ready for staff devotions, reading my Bible. They took my wife out of bed in her nightgown, wouldn't let her get dressed, go to the bathroom, or put a robe on, and took her down to the federal courthouse in her nightgown. That was uh, nine years ago. Oh, my God. Night, uh, the, July 11th, so a couple wow. days ago. It was the ninth anniversary of that. and it was, just, it was just plain bizarre. Nobody can believe it happened. I still can't believe it happened. But God used it in a thousand ways for good. I mean, it, uh, half the Bible is written from prison or captivity or by somebody who experienced one or the other. That's a good So, it, you know, God uses it for good. So why do you think it was such a, I don't know, draconian situation? Like, why did they come down so hard on you and not, I don't know, a drug dealer or something? Well, I know. I, gee whiz, uh, I, I smoked a couple cigarettes when I was 12, and that's about the only time I have to confess to <laughs> Uh, but I didn't inhale. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Bill Clinton, be proud. Uh, so, yeah, I, most people think it's because of my teaching on creation, which goes right to the heart of the New World Order. See, there's only two options. Either there is a God or there isn't. Nobody's thought of a third option. If there's a God, then he would make the rules and determine what's right and wrong. And my teaching on creation makes it real clear, hey, not only is there a God, he created the world, he owns it, he makes the rules. And there are some people like Pinky in the Brain who want to rule the world. There's always been these folks, you know, Napoleon and Hitler and Stalin, and there's a long list of people who want to rule the world. And we got them today. And so my teaching that, no, I'm sorry, you don't rule the world, God rules the world, that really bothers some people to the point that, well, we've got to shut up Hovind because he's teaching creation instead of evolution. 
Yeah, I've asked atheists, I've done a hundred and some debates, I think 105 now, debates with atheists all over the world, and I ask them a simple question. I say, okay, if evolution is true, <clears throat> how do you tell right from wrong uh, on anything? How do you tell right from wrong? And, of course, they can't answer. I had one atheist tell me, he said, well, I decide what's right and wrong because I'm the god of my own universe. I said, man, I'm glad to hear about that because I'm going to shoot you in five minutes. <laughs> he said, well, you can't do that. I said, well, sure I can. I'm the god of my own universe. I decided it's fine for me to shoot you. <laughs> if evolution is true, how do you tell right from wrong on any topic? Right. Is abortion right or wrong? Is premarital sex right or wrong? Is murder right or wrong? Is uh, Name it. You know, all the, all the social issues they argue about and debate in the news and on Congress, they're never going to come to, is gay marriage right or wrong? It's, before they can answer any of those questions, you have to decide, how do you decide what's right and wrong? Right. Is, is anything right or wrong? Where's the standard? Right, the objective yeah, it, basis. Right, bring me a two... Bring me a two by four. Somebody said, how long? I'll just get a long one. But how about be more specific, you know, like in, measure it in inches or centimeters or something. Where is the standard? We have a National Bureau of Standards where they carefully protect the standard meter, the standard yard, the standard pound, you know, our weights and measures and distances. It's important to have a standard that never changes. And we used to have that in our country with God's law. But now we don't have it. So it's every man does that which was right in his own eyes. And I think my teaching on creation, which is real simple, entry-level, fourth-grade-level stuff, really frustrates them because it goes right to the heart of the beast. So that's what thousands of people have told me, <clears throat> including some people really high up in our government who have uh, incognito told me, Kent, they were after you because they don't like what you preach on creation. Right. It's got wow. nothing to do with anything else. And these guys can lock up a ham sandwich. I mean, that's been the joke for years. <laughs> There's a book out called Three Felonies a Day. They now have enough laws passed that the average American commits three felonies every day. This wow. is what they've done in communist countries for decades. As Stalin said, you show me the man, I'll find you the crime. Right. You can lock up anybody. Just show, show me who you want locked up, I'll figure out how to do it. Sure. And for them to come arrest me for structuring and throw me in jail for 10 years is, is mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to be kidding. Now, now I noticed... I noticed you, you did say some people believe and some people have told you, you know, that that's why. Do, do you personally think that or are you abstaining from uh, sort of speculating in that way? I do personally think it's true. I have no way of proving it. That would just be my uh, speculation. Okay. All right. So they nab you and your wife. Did your wife go to jail as well? She did. She got a one year, a year and a day sentence and served nine months in a women's prison over in Mariana, Florida. Wow. She's a uh, grandma, five foot zero, piano teacher, sweetest lady you'd ever want to meet, and uh, the last person ever needs to go to prison. Wow. And so you were mentioning, you know, I mean, you're on a cell phone now, I assume, Correct. or you, yes. you have a cell phone. I mean, nine years, that's a long time in today's uh, ever-changing technological atmosphere. Well, it is. And there's people who commit murder that go to prison for less time. The same, the same week, I uh, was arrested for structuring. A lady was arrested for shooting her husband in bed with a shotgun, killed him, blew him all over the bedroom. She got two and a half years. Wow. In prison. Killing. He was sound asleep. Walked in with the, I don't know what he said to her. It must have been pretty bad. But she shot him right in bed and killed him. And so I got, she got two and a half years, and I got ten. 
you figure it out. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I think, you know, just even that brief sort of testimony of what happened is important for people to grasp because, you know, what we saw from, you know, secular news outlets and, you know, the Wikipedia page and stuff like that is that, you know, you cheated on taxes and, you know, it seems like there was, you know, not the complete story out in the public in terms of why you were in prison for so long. Or it was just like a canned they, story. That yeah. They just used. Right. They always have a cover story. Every communist country does this. When they arrest a preacher for being a, for being a Christian, they never say they arrested him for being a preacher. I mean, they've got to pick another, pick another story, you know? Sure. Yeah. They, this is standard, you know, Saul Alinsky 101. Right. So, so what was your day-to-day experience like, you know, being in prison? You said that God uses <laughs> all situations for good. What was sort of, um, you know, what was the day-to-day? Well, in the federal prison camps, it's an absolute joke. It's like being in a college dormitory. I mean, you're perfectly safe. I was only in federal prison. They have several levels of security. The camps, I don't even have a fence around them. I mean, there were, I was at the Pensacola camp right here for a couple of months, which is, holds, holds about 800 men, and you could walk away anytime you want. Uh, of course, then they're going to take add more time to your sentence if you do that. Then they moved me with all the transfer centers in between. They moved me to uh, South Carolina, uh, Edgefield, South Carolina, then to um, uh, Jessup, Georgia, then to Colorado, then to New Hampshire, then to uh, Alabama, then to Mississippi. Or first, before Mississippi was a county jail for a year because they brought another charge. I was just about to go home. And they brought a new charge called mail fraud, which carries a 20-year sentence for mailing a letter to the courthouse saying, look, there's litigation still pending on this property. You probably shouldn't sell the property, buyer beware. They said that to me. <laughs> that one, we, we beat the charge. What? It was amazing. The first, the first win I heard, the first win in court in nine years in this federal court in Pensacola, I, I could have gone for 20 more years. Oh I, just got out. I just got out two weeks ago. Oh, that is crazy. Under the law, I, I could have gone to Halfway House, three blocks from here, in February 2013, a year and a half ago. I was qualified to come to home for home confinement last February, five months ago. But because of that new charge, I sat in the county jail. Now, that is the pits. The county jail. <laughs> the federal <laughs> camps aren't bad. The county jail is awful. That I was there the for almost a full year in county jail. So it sounds like you, it sounds like you got the the whole United States tour of the prison of the incarceration system. Why why were they moving oh, yeah, you around yeah. so much? Well, they call it diesel therapy. Uh, we're we're going to teach this guy to object. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. All the transfer centers in between is a total of over thirty moves that they did to me. Right. That's bizarre. So so besides the camps, which sounds like just a, a a hard day working in the sun. Um, there was, did you get, did you get any prison tats or, uh, getting any gang fights in prison? There? <laughs> no, in the camps, there's no fights because if they fight or argue, uh, they end up going up a level to the low, low security or medium security right. or even the penitentiary. Uh, so no, then no problems at all. Well, yeah, I, they were, I, I was at the, uh, county jail in Pensacola when I first got arrested, I was there about two months and they had a Muslim guy in there who came up, I was just standing by the bars, uh, and, uh, uh, and this guy came up and hit me from behind in the back of the head, with, in, in my ear, 
Oh, knocked me down, and all the guys in there loved me. I had Bible study all the time with them, and so they jumped on that guy and beat the devil out of him. Man, it was wow. like they hauled him out of it. <laughs> so I did get hit that one time after I'd been in county jail for a couple of months, and I just, he blindsided me, you know, knocked me down and uh, broke my glasses. And, but I didn't have to defend myself at all. The rest of the guys explained wow. it to him in a language he understood very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't well, God, pick on our preacher. <laughs> God bless him. So it sounds like you had some great uh, ministry opportunities there in the oh, system. Oh, I did. Yeah, we had Bible study all the time. I was able to write 37 books from prison, uh, answered 18,000 letters, I think. Uh, mail came. It was just such a blessing. I got a stack of mail every day, and so I'm always trying to get people to write to other prisoners because it is such a help. Yeah. to get mail. I mean, some of these guys, but lot, most people, when they go to jail or prison, they lose everything. They lose their wife, they lose their house, they lose their job, and they are just so despondent. I mean, it's just awful what it does. I, I'm embarrassed that as a Christian, I had to go to jail to find out the Bible does not authorize jails or prisons. If you read wow. God's law, which is perfect, under God's economy, you either get a fine, a beating, or executed. God never authorizes prisons at all. Hmm. The only time anybody gets locked up is seven days for leprosy to check and see uh, um, if, they, if they're contagious. Quarantine so, situation no, there. I've asked over a thousand prisoners since I've been going to travel. I asked them a simple question. I said, guys, if you were offered 20 lashes or five years, which would you take? They said, oh, I'd take the 20 lashes, which would be cheaper for right. the 20 lashes which is a better deterrent to not do it again by the 20 lashes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which is better for your family. Well, 20 lashes. I go home, I'm sore for a week, and I, and I go back to work. You don't lose your job. You don't lose anything. Which is better for society. Who has... The, I mean, if, if, if somebody gets in your town gets arrested for something and sent to jail for five years, who's paying for his groceries? Right. You yeah. are. <laughs> and what did you do wrong? This punishes the totally wrong people. So when I become king, I'm shutting the whole system down. I can scale it, I can scale it back to 5% of its current size in 10 minutes. Give everybody an option. Call them in. Say, okay, you still got eight years left on your sentence. You want 15 lashes or serve out your time? Well, give me the lashes. See, in the Bible, the, the, the punishment had to take place in front of the judge. You had to lay down, and they had to give you the lashes right there in front of the judge. So the judge can see what their sentence just did. Today, the judge just picks a number, oh, five years, 10 years, 20 years, like it's nothing. Right. I was amazed to find out when I was in Yazoo City, Mississippi, just last three, two weeks ago, that prompted a huge prison camp. I mean, a giant compound with a, a camp, a, a, a low security, a medium security, and a maximum security. The land is owned by Haley Barber, the governor of Mississippi. He leases it to the federal government, 100-year, 99-year lease. And his son, Haley Barber Jr., is the chief judge in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, that, that sounds like a conflict of interest, like, hey, let's keep this place full so they can make the lease payment. I mean, I don't right. know, but right. I think anybody with half a brain ought to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Congress. Pass a law that says anyone involved in law enforcement or passing laws, Congress, etc., cannot own stock in the prison system, cannot lease land to the federal system, cannot own commissary rights. I mean, who makes the clothes? 
Who buys the groceries? Who cooks? Who transports the prisoners around? Who owns the transportation? That's a whole business in itself. Right. Just yeah. moving people around. I got moved 30 times in chains. Well, who paid those guys that drove the bus and carried the shotguns? And you know, <laughs> It's yeah. a giant industry, and it is evil from top to bottom. God, God totally bless America. Yep. <laughs> um, so it, during your time, you said you got a lot of letters. You obviously had a lot of support here on the outside. Sam and Dan obviously did a great job of doing that with uh, God's Property Radio and, and many others, I'm sure. I mean, how often were you in communication with the outside? And did you really, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of letters, but uh, you, did you really know how much support you had going on out here? <laughs> On the outside, I did, I did not know how much support I had. I was uh, shocked and humbled and, and blessed to find out how many people. It was amazing how many people were calling senators and congressmen. There, there's some lady in the news right now that talked with Kate's Law or something like that. They're trying to get Congress to pass a law in honor of one lady. Is it, is it Kate's Law or something like that? Been on the news the last couple of nights. They need to have Kent's Law. They should repeal the structuring law, which is stupid on its face. It's none of their business how you take your money out of your bank, okay? Even if it's for drugs, it's none of their business. Sure. Repeal right. the structuring law and make it retroactive and make them pay the damages. Call it Kent's Law. Look, you guys, you, you've got to pay back the money you stole from him, and you've got to say you're sorry. They've never done that to anybody. <laughs> I'd like, you know, in Acts chapter 16... Uh, Paul goes to jail, and he gets beat up, and, you know, they put in prison, and the jailer gets saved, and it's a miracle story. It's a wonderful story, but people miss the last part, where when they said, okay, Paul, you can, you can leave now, at the end of Acts 16, he said, no, 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 I was beaten uncondemned, being a Roman, I want an apology, and they came down and apologized. I want them to say, Kent, we're sorry, we shouldn't have done this to you. Here's the money back that we took, and by the way, we're going to pay you damages. We'll start writing a check, making zeros. You tell us when to quit. <laughs> I mean, is I'll, it, say, is... I'll say write small and get a large piece of paper, and I'll tell you when to quit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had mentioned how much you know the world has changed while you were you know serving your time, and uh, you know, I mean, the iPhone. There's Topics like transhumanism that's really gone mainstream, the changes in the world of genetics and robotics. It's pretty crazy. All the uh, Avengers movies. <laughs> the Avengers movies. But one of the things I was curious about was you were an advocate of you know various theological and eschatological doctrines uh, over the years. Was there any particular doctrine that you changed position on while you were in prison? Since I'm assuming you had some good time to study the Bible and, and whatnot. I did. had plenty of time to study, yes. I changed doctrine totally on the prison system. I used to be one of those tough-on-crime guys, you know, tough-on-crime, lock them up, lock them up. No, no, don't lock anybody up ever again. Find them, beat them, or kill them. Wow. Somebody rapes your daughter. You, she does not need to pay for his groceries for 20 years and worry about him getting out. She needs to go, she needs to watch him get shot or electrocuted or whatever they're going to do or hung and then go spit on his grave a couple of times until she heals up emotionally. Locking people up is stupid, multiple levels. Second thing, I changed my doctrine completely on the rapture. I was one of those guys who believed what I was taught in the Schofield Bible and the Dake Study Bible, that pre-trib rapture, and I wish it was true, and I believed it and taught it for 40 years, and it's just not true. I, I think uh, the, the Lord comes back after the tribulation. 
before the wrath of God falls. And I wrote a book about it called What on Earth is About to Happen, for Heaven's Sake. Uh, and uh, that is up on lulu.com. It, I, I'm embarrassed as a Christian. I fell for the stupid idea of the pre-tribulation rapture. It's just, I was guilty of not distinguishing between tribulation and wrath. They are not right. the same. Right, right. Yeah, you're in good, good company there. <laughs> yeah, tribulation is what the world does to us, and we were told we're going to have that. Wrath is what God does to the world, and we're told we're not going to have that. So we are not here for the wrath. We are here for the tribulation. I was also not, I was guilty of not distinguishing between the day of Christ, which is mentioned seven times, and that is the rapture, and the day of the Lord, which is a thousand-year period that not everybody gets. That's the bonus prize for the faithful Christians. Hmm. The Christians have three things. You have your physical life, which you can lose. First John says you can sin to the point of, of death. God will kill you. Christians also are offered the bonus prize of the thousand-year kingdom if they are faithful, and that's the prize you work for, you strive for, you press for the mark, the prize of the high calling. And then there's eternity, which is absolutely, totally free based on the grace of Jesus Christ. No works involved at all. If you're born again, you're saved, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven, and you cannot possibly lose that. So the, the Armenianists and the, and the Calvinists are arguing about, you know, can you lose your salvation, yes or no? They're both wrong. You hmm. cannot lose eternal life. You can lose the kingdom. So that's where they're scrambling up the verses on that. And it's hard being right on everything, but I think I've got it now, and I think I can handle it. <laughs> well, after writing 37 books in, in the incarceration system, by the way, Gons, I think that'd be a great way for you to finish your book. But I like how Sam and Dan chime in. Yeah, they're quiet for like 20 minutes and then. <laughs> All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. So, you, you, Kent, you've written a lot of books. I mean, uh, I'm sure in some of those books you, you've shared some of your new views on things. Uh, give us some examples of some of the books you've written, just in case some of our uh, listeners here are interested in uh, hearing tales from behind the bars. Okay, well, so let's see. I wrote a whole bunch of books for my grandchildren, The Adventures of Danny the Dinosaur. Only the first two are published. That's when my grandkids were little. I wrote a book called Whose Mouths Must Be Stopped, a uh, debate with an atheist that I did from prison. I wrote a whole series of books, The Adventures of the Grandpa and the Grandkids, uh, that are uh, being illustrated now. Uh, see, I wrote a book called The Kennel. Now, that one I did under a false name, because it's about the prison system. When I was being moved all over the country, I was someplace in solitary confinement in, they call it the hole, uh, because that's the only bed they had open. They said, hey, Hovind, we're putting you in here, and we don't you didn't do anything wrong, but this is where you're going. So for 10 days, I'm in the hole in solitary confinement. And the book cart came by, and the guy said, you want a book? I said, well, sure, what do you got? And he had a bunch of books on there, so I looked, and I saw the book Animal Farm by George Orwell. Mm. 19, he wrote 1984, and he also wrote Animal Farm. Well, Animal Farm is a satire against communism. In the story, the pigs take over the farm and they kick out the farmer, and, you know, it, it's a, not a very big book, about 90 pages, but it's, it's all a satire against communism using animals. So I read that, which I was supposed to read in high school, I never did, you know, and uh, I said, wow, this is perfect. I'm going to do a satire on the prison system about being a giant dog kennel where the dogs get locked up for the dumbest reasons and for the longest time, and the politicians are making money off of this dog kennel by locking up everybody's dog. 
So I wrote a book. It's only about 80 or 90 pages. It's called The Kennel. I did it under a false name, Elijah Green. Uh, Elijah was a preacher that King hated for no reason in the Bible, and he wore green. At least I did our green uniform. So Elijah Green is the pseudonym, but I can confess now, it's me. I'm guilty. And that's up on Lulu.com, the kennel, as an e-book. Uh, we hope to get them all published in paper. Some are, some are not, uh, and uh, get them published. <laughs> so we're working on all that. Uh, I wrote a whole, I probably wrote a thousand uh, called Dear God Letters. I, were, I would write, I did a whole series of seven books uh, that are in, almost in production here called uh, Dear God and Email, like you're on your knees. With hey. email, you can only talk to hmm. people that are alive and only people that are online. But with email on your knees, you can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. So I could talk to people in the past. And so I would write email stories. Uh, I'd go back and talk to John the Baptist or go back and talk to the Apostle Paul. And those, everybody loved those. I wrote, I, I think, maybe even over a thousand of them. And they'll be coming out in book form. Uh, I think it's eight book series now that uh, they're working on. So a lot of that stuff, who knows, out there in the, in the in, internet someplace but so you've been a busy busy boy you know that the time went really fast surprisingly and god was amazingly good i mean i was able to lead about 800 men to the lord and do bible studies four times a day uh and the guys just really grew like crazy it was just amazing watching great and, and i can see why so much of the bible is written from prison or by prisoners because it gives you a whole new perspective on life Absolutely. I don't like it. I don't want to go back, <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it's over. <laughs> you spent more than enough time. Now, you said you, you wrote a book about Danny the Dino. Now, that makes me wonder what your position on dinosaurs are, being such a, a, an avid creationist uh, apologist, which is wonderful. Well, my website is Dr. Dino, uh, even the phone number, 479-DINO. That's 3466. I like dinosaurs. As a child, I was totally confused and totally brainwashed into the evolution thinking that the Earth is billions of years old and dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. A typical propaganda, and I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. After I got saved at age 16, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, this book I'm reading, the Bible, does not teach millions of years. It teaches nothing died until Adam sinned. That man brought death into the world. Somebody's lying. And that led to a long, interesting study. And finally, probably about... In my mid-twenties, I realized, you know, I've been lied to. And someone gave me some books by Henry Morris, who was a great creationist from Dallas, Texas, died years ago, a good friend of mine. And I read, I said, whoa, the creation story is true. The earth is only 6,000 years old. Wow. And so that led, I, you know, I ended up teaching science, high school, uh, biology, earth science, and physical science for 15 years. And the Bible clearly teaches that before the big flood came, the people lived to be 900 years old. I mean, read Genesis chapter 5. The dates are right there. Well, being a biology teacher, I knew that reptiles, most reptiles, never stop growing. Humans stop growing at 16 or 18 or 20, at least vertically, some go horizontally after that for a long time. <laughs> reptiles, reptiles never stop growing. So if they could live to be seven or 800, they would get 80 feet long. So dinosaurs did not live millions of years ago. They were big lizards that lived with Adam and Eve, and Noah took them on the ark. Probably babies, just be sure to get a pink one and a blue one. And <laughs> after the flood, people killed most of them. They called them dragons. And the word mm -hmm. dinosaur was just made up in 1841, so it's the same animal, only a different name. Mm. There are dinosaurs all through history with man, 
and they're mentioned in every ancient culture has stories of somebody killing a dragon or, you know, uh, using dragon blood for recipes. And I mean, it's, it's just all over the world. And how could right. I miss it? I don't know. I'm embarrassed. But yeah. So my prediction <laughs> on dinosaurs is they're part of God's normal creation. They were all vegetarian, according to Genesis 1, 29 and 30, until after the flood, when everything became, a lot of things became carnivorous. Uh, and people killed most of them. And there might be a few still alive, which is why there are so many sightings like Loch Ness Monster kind of stuff all over the world. Sure. Right. And there's uh, even stories out about dinosaur bones with, uh, you know, still some flesh left on there. And, you know, the scientific community said, oh, I guess dinosaur flesh can survive for three million years or something, you know, so they... I, I have to wonder, the people who say that, are they dumb in any other area, or is that the only area that's dumb? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I'm curious about something. You know, one of the topics that we address a lot here is concerning Genesis 6 and um, the fallen angels, uh, which is sort of my personal interpretation of what went on there with the sons of God meeting with the daughters of men and the Nephilim. Um, what's right. your view on that, and, and does it tie into the dinosaur aspect? I have read that Genesis 6, 1 through 4, uh, hundreds of times till my brain hurts. I do not have an answer. I wish I did. There are half a dozen theories on that. The most commonly accepted theory is that fallen angels intermarried the daughters of men and produced half-demon, half-human. That is what many people believe and teach, and it may indeed be true. However, my position is the Bible is not clear on that, so don't be dogmatic. Either, God, it, there's very little information. You've got that passage and in Jude, a couple of verses, and there's, I don't think there's enough information to be clear, which means either our brain couldn't handle it or God doesn't want us to know. That's all I can figure out. So I'm still hoping to figure it out, but I, I don't have a positive answer. Okay? Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, from my perspective, I mean, I've looked at that passage and that topic a lot, and there are definitely some gems in the new testament not just in jude in or, or in uh, i think it's second peter um there's other places that seem to suggest something like that you know i can't remember exactly right. off the top of my head uh but something about a head covering for the women because of the angels you know some uh, brief things mentioned there so um it's pretty fascinating and i think there are other scholars who have looked at some of the old testament and are starting to consider the possibility that the Anakim and the Zamzumin and some of these tribes may have not been, you know, entirely of uh, human descent. So there's some interesting theories out there. And, you know, it is interesting that in Matthew 24, it talks about the days of Noah or, or you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the son of man. And, uh, you know, if that sort of genetic tampering is a characteristic of the days of Noah, then um, it's interesting that the times we're living in now with uh, all the, stuff about changing genetics and messing with it and, you know, infusing man with technology. You know, it's a big topic that we tackle. And, and one, of, one of the topics that we started our podcast on was transhumanism. And did you keep up on any of that stuff in terms of uh, the transhumanist movement? It seems to be picking up steam and uh, this idea of merging man and machine, man and animal, changing the, the kind that, you know, God made us after. I personally see that as sort of a return to the days of Noah, if that interpretation is true. But what are your thoughts there? Very possible. I, I, sh I wish I could wish I could be dogmatic. I can't. It, it certainly, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man shall come. That's exactly correct. And, I mean, the people before the days of Noah, they were living to be 900. 
how much could you learn in 900 years? Right. <clears throat> Not only that, Noah's daddy Lamech could go back and talk to his great, 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 great grandfather. Noah's daddy could have known Adam. You don't see that until you chart it out. If you get my seminar notebook on drdino.com or creationtoday.org, uh, there's a chart in the back that shows the dates from the Genesis 5 and Genesis 11. And when you graph it out, it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. These guys could have known each other. <clears throat> Noah lived long enough to know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I suspect God made, no God made Adam, you know, pre-programmed, straight from the hand of God, incredibly intelligent. He could walk, talk, name the animals, and get married first day. <laughs> the guy had an IQ off, the, off of our charts. And he lived long enough to learn a whole lot more stuff, and then he could pass it on to his great-great-great-great-grandchildren. So did the people before the flood know about genetic engineering? I have no idea, but I suspect they probably knew a whole lot more than we even know today. Sure. In all kinds of areas. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, with uh, just the length of lifespan. That's one of the other things that science is telling us now is that, hey, we can extend our life beyond, you know, the you know 80 to 100 years that we are normally living in with uh, advances in medical sciences and stuff like that, which could be another characteristic of the days of Noah. But, um, you know, just d different, Correct. fascinating things to consider. But another thing I wanted to touch on is, um, you know, we, we understand that date setting is kind of a dangerous game in terms of, potentially being labeled a false prophet or heretic or something like that. And um, the biblical mandate for a false prophet is, is pretty severe in the Old Testament. Um, but uh, according to some you know corners of the internet, I've read that in 2013 you predicted the return of Jesus Christ for the year 2028. Um, do you stand by that, that date? Not, or that is, is it? not correct. Okay, okay. Somebody I wanted to make that was, clear. Right. When I was writing my book, What on Earth is About to Happen, I, had, I wrote, sent out, a newsletter and said, if you have any questions, send them to me. So somebody said, Kent, I know you don't know, and you'll say I don't know. What is your best guess? And so I said at the very end of the book, I wrote a little one, one two-page letter, said, okay, three pages. My best guess is the Lord's coming back in 2028, and the rapture tribulation starts in 2021, based on the following 10 or 12, whatever it was, you know, factoids to consider. So, no, I did not predict the Lord's coming back. I said, this is my wild guess. All it is. I'm really no glad that you uh, clarified that because there are, okay. you know, there are people, you know, and, and the internet has become this hub of opinions abound. And, uh, you know, there are certain people going after Kent Hovind because he predicted, uh, you know, he set dates for the return of Christ. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that you clarified that. What do you have planned for your ministry moving forward now that you're... You're a free man. You're a free well, man. Not, <laughs> not quite free. I can't leave the house for two more weeks, which is perfectly fine with me. Uh, my grandkids live next door and come visit all the time. Uh, the, in Second Peter chapter 3, it says, The scoffers in the last days will be willingly ignorant, which in the Greek means dumb on purpose. They'll be willingly ignorant of the creation and the flood and the coming judgment. Well, I preached for 20-some years all over the world on the creation and the flood, and I pretty much avoided the coming judgment because I didn't have my own theology straight. I just, I was pre teaching pre-trib rapture, and I just, I, I, that's all I knew, and I, but it didn't strike me as being, I couldn't be dogmatic. So now I think I got it exactly straight. So my videos on creation and flood are in 40-some languages, and they go all over the world. Uh, I want to now add 
plank number three to the platform of the coming judgment and produce a whole series of videos on why, well, my book, What on Earth is About to Happen. It just happens to spell out, whoa, uh, uh, W-O-E. So I'll produce a whole series of videos on why we're going to be here for the tribulations and we get raptured out when the sun and the moon go dark, which is mentioned ten times in the Bible. When the sun and the moon go dark, we're raptured out. That then starts the time of wrath. But we are here for the tribulation. I, I wish it wasn't true, but we're going to be here. Yeah, and again, I, I mentioned earlier, but I think you're in good company in terms of um, you know that perspective. The pre-wrath view is, is one that I currently hold on to, and I think it's biblically sound. <clears throat> it comes down to semantics, I think, with certain people, how they label what the great tribulation is, how they label, you know, the wrath of God, things like that. So, yeah, you know, I, I, it's pretty interesting that, you know, a, a study that you conducted for years probably led you to this conclusion. You know, I, 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 I love our brothers and sisters in Christ who are pre-tribulation rapture people and I have no you know problem with them. And I, it's one of those issues that I'm never going to, uh, you know, die on a hill over because it's, there, there seems to be too much division and, tearing down of the body of Christ with issues like this, you know, eschatological issues. So I, I'm right. personally kind of tired of seeing, you know, people disfellowshipping and stuff like that over it. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that with your sort of change of heart and mind on the issue, uh, you know, we can just have a discussion about it with people that may disagree, you know, because... Uh, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I can disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, yeah, I also wrote a series of books, Adventures of the Hoven Grandkids, where I took them on a long trip. Uh, it's all imaginary. The purpose of the series was to teach them how to spot people who have needs and help them, and to teach them how to win souls. Uh, the Colorado Adventure, the Long Trip, and the Long Trip Home, that was a really fun series with my five grandkids. Uh, that was all imagination. But uh, the purpose being, to, again, to teach them to love the Lord and, and win souls. That's awesome. Now, I know we've been kind of jumping all over the place here, and in a minute, I'd like to bring Sam and Dan on to uh, talk about anything that they have so that you guys can get ready. Um, I'm curious, Kent, if you have any uh, other, you know, good old prison stories hanging around in the back there. <laughs> I met people in prison that... that <laughs> There are, there are many innocent people in prison. I mean, I was amazed at how easily they can lock up anybody. There was a guy I used to walk the track with in uh, South Carolina. He had gone to prison for something stupid. I forget what it was. And once you're out of prison, you are a felon for the rest of your life. Okay? Well, a felon can't be around guns or ammunition. He had gone to the convenience store and bought a keychain which had a bullet on it with a hole drilled through it, no gunpowder, just an empty cartridge, empty casing. That was on his keychain. And so he got stopped for a traffic ticket or something. The cop noticed he's a felon, noticed his keychain hanging there, and they put him back in prison for three years no. for having a keychain. I walked the track with him for having a keychain. Another guy I met in Jessup, Georgia, became a friend of mine. I said, what are you here for? He said, violation of parole. I said, what happened? He said, well... I own a house in Tennessee, and I, I rent it out. He lived in North Carolina, I believe it was, or South Carolina. But he owned a house in Tennessee, and he rented it out, so he had a key to his house. I mean, he owned it. The renter he rented it to had a gun. And so he got three years in prison for having access to a gun 500 miles away. 
Oh, wow. my gosh. I, I saw it happen. Unbelievable. Whew. So that our whole crazy. system is a money-making racket and needs to be shut down, or at least wow. exposed. Right. But do you have any plans? I for it all day long. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, we've got a little bit of time here. I, I'm not sure if, you, if you're in a hurry or not, but, I mean, that's just really interesting. Is that going to be part of your... Uh, your uh, mission on the outside here is to maybe do a little bit of exposing in that manner? Or are you done picking fights? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I can multitask. <laughs> I can juggle, uh, juggle four. I don't want to get too many battles going at once. I can't juggle five. So I, I'm going to focus on the, none of this stuff's going to matter in a thousand years. So I'm going to focus on, you know, creation, flood, coming judgment. But, uh, uh, when people ask, I'll answer the question. Amen. All right. Well, Sam and Dan, you guys have been hanging back there like good, polite radio hosts. <laughs> I know you guys have been following this for quite some time. And, you know, you're, you, you even came on Canary Cry Radio here and talked a little bit about it. Um, is uh, I'm sure you have spoken with Kent, but is there anything that our audience would like uh, to hear. Well, Ken, um, we haven't spoken to you since you got out, and Sam and I were not able to make the welcome home party, though we are planning this winter to come down for a week, three days or something, and just hang out in Pensacola and come talk with you and celebrate you being with your family. But uh, I'd, like, I'd like to ask you two questions. One, what was it like seeing your grandchildren and being able to hold them and hug them? And it was uh, amazing. Yeah, my grandchildren and I were real close before I went to prison. I mean, they live right next door. And uh, I, it was, and then my, my youngest grandson, who's eight and a half, he, he was born two months after I went to prison. Right. I had never held him in freedom. Right. And uh, he comes down every day now. We go build stuff and fix things, and he's my buddy. So we've we got a lot of <laughs> things to make up for. Awesome. That's awesome. My, my second question is, what was your response when... Uh, Eric let you know that he had bought some of the additional property back with Dinosaur Adventureland on it. Oh, it was great. I told him, you know, because they were going to, they seized the property. We're going to kick my wife out of her own house. I said, please, son, buy that back and, just, you know, get, like, keep mom in the house. So my son, Eric, is amazing. If you get a chance, go to creationtoday.org. And it, he's a fabulous, he'll never be as good as dad, but he's a fabulous preacher, you know, and of course. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm real, real proud of him. I know that he's involved in a um, a documentary, right? A, a, the Genesis 3D. Mm -hmm. He is very active, uh, making a three dimensional movie. They uh, call it the Genesis Genesis in 3D. That uh, looks like it's about a year from being done, um, and it's just really cool. What little bit I've seen of it is really cool. So they can see all that. They can see a promo on that on uh, on creationtoday.org. And all they need is a whole bunch more money and time to finish it, and I think that's going to reach that's going to reach millions of people for the Lord. So, if somebody's uh, got a stack of money sitting around, wants to invest it in that, that would be a good place to reach souls. So it sounds like uh, God uh, really provided a way for your family and your wife and everything that when you were incarcerated, uh, you know. It, Fortunately, you didn't have the same situation as a lot of the other people in there where they didn't, obviously you had, you lost a lot, but you know, you had a great family and uh, a great provision to, you know, at least not have to go sleep in a bus station when you got out. 
Oh, I know. It's, and every, almost everybody I was in prison with lost everything. It's just sad. I was in Pensacola camp with the guy who made the Hotels.com website. He spent, oh. 18, he spent $18 million fighting the government and lost, and they took $48 million from him. Wow. Oh. Yep, I walked the track with him. Wow. What, what do you suspect they'd do with all that, that money up there in uh, America HQ? Government issued hammers. Well, forty-eight million to the U.S. government would probably run their budget for about a second and a half. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that—that's about fifteen minutes of they, uh, Congress. They spend money like it's water, and yeah. it's intentional. It is absolutely intentional. How do you mean? Well, they want to bankrupt the country. This has been the plan for decades. You know, to bankrupt the country. If you if you lived in nineteen hundred and had ten thousand dollars. You could retire and live on the interest the rest of your life. Could you do that today on $10,000? I can no. barely make it a year on, on $20,000. Right. You can't live a year on 20000 without a lot of stress. Okay. So what's happened, uh, if it, uh, in 1850, a $20 gold piece, an ounce of gold, would buy you a custom tailor-made suit and a brand-new pair of custom-made cowboy boots. For twenty bucks, and by experience, today a twenty dollar gold piece, uh, one ounce of gold, will buy you a custom made suit and a custom made pair of pair of cowboy boots. The price of things has not gone up; the value of the dollar has gone down. It takes more Federal Reserve notes to accomplish the same thing. So, if you say worked all your life and saved and saved and had ten thousand dollars and gave it to your kids, by the time the government gets done inflating things, it's worth about three thousand, and your grandkids will inherit about ten cents. You know, it's just it's intentional. It's a it's a it's a simple way to steal everybody's money. Inflation steals from everybody, right? Without them knowing it. I know, uh, Sam and Dan. Uh, when's that movie coming out, Sam and Dan? The uh... it's supposed to be coming out. Um, I think in the fall or winter. Um, the the illusion of money is, right. is the Leonard, name of the Leonard, film. Leonard Ulrich has been looking at that topic I know for a long time and and uh, you know I I even uh, in my research for the book I'm writing that I probably won't finish this year the way things are going I mean there's a lot of weird hanky panky money stuff happening that you know is is part of this country's history that people don't know about it's the stuff we don't hear about in in history class uh, a lot of weird strange things happening after World War II with some treasures they came across from uh, China and Japan, stuff like that. So there's a lot of that going on. What do you think, you know, there's a lot of fear-mongering happening on the Internet with people saying the economic crash is coming, you know, a lot of people talking about September, the end is near, all this kind of stuff. What's your opinion about, you know, the economic crash? Are they, I mean, I know you said they're trying to systematically tear it down. I agree with you on that. But, uh, you know, what's that look like practically for us? Well, if you lived in Germany in 1933 when Hitler came to power uh, and you knew the future, what would you do? Get um, out of there. Leave? <laughs> get, out of, get out of Germany if you can. But here we got the whole planet coming under serious problems. What do you do? Uh, you win souls. Nothing else is going to matter. It's all going to burn. I invest everything I can in winning people to Christ and encouraging Christians to go do the same because nothing here is going to survive. What's coming? Uh, it's we're we're headed for royal disaster, and it's in its plan. These New World Order-type folks, pinky in the brain, they've been planning this for, for millennia. It's really, they don't realize it probably themselves, but it's Satan motivating them. Sure, yeah. It's a satanic, you know, they don't even know they work for the devil. 
Right. Yeah. And that's a key point we always try to bring up is that it's a spiritual conspiracy. Uh, it's not just, you know, a physical conspiracy. It's not just nefarious groups and they may not even know what they're doing, you know, is causing these kinds of things. But, you know, the, the typical sin nature, greed, stuff like that, which uh, tends to uh, be part of this whole thing. Basil, Sam, Dan, do you guys have anything else? Yeah, I got some stuff. <laughs> Go for it. Let it rip, bro. All right. Kent, um, first off, how's, how's Paul Hansen doing? Paul Hansen was my cellmate in the county jail. He is still in there, Santa Rosa County Jail in Milton. Uh, people should write to him and encourage him. Uh, he's still fighting the case. Uh, he, he's really got him frustrated uh, because he's pointing out with the law, hey, guys, you broke the law, and, you know, and they don't like that. So uh, the guy to talk to about Paul Hansen would be Ernie Land. Ernie is the trustee of uh, the ministry, and if anybody, I think, uh, wants to give a donation, they just give it to Ernie, uh, docfog at docfog.com. That's D-O-C-F-O-G. And they can donate money for Paul Hansen's defense also. But he's doing fine. I lived with him in a little room for three months, and he's just a real great guy. Godly man, loves the Lord, and a super patriot. I mean, he's going to fight these guys to the end. Uh, and they would they would be wise just to let him out and leave him alone because he won't he will not give up he's the bulldog when he knows he's right so and what, yeah, what was, Paul, what was uh, I'm sorry I was just going to ask just for the audience that may not be familiar with Paul Hansen's situation what was the reason why he was brought into prison Paul and uh, Paul was the trustee of the ministry and he also mailed a letter about the about them seizing the property and you know don't sell this this is still under litigation lit, litigation pending and so he and I were both arrested and charged with mail fraud for mail, for mailing a letter my, I beat my case praise god for that i mean it's only a miracle that one juror held out and said wait a minute there's no crime here and we got to get some jurors with some brains to say well, hold on a minute our federal system is off the off the chain just stop. There's a great book uh, about uh, uh, jurors and the incredible rights they have. One juror can stop all of this. So anyway, but Paul was found guilty of contempt of court, and so he's supposed to go into sentencing last month. And he's been filing stuff saying, excuse me, you can't find me in contempt of court. when There was no order that told me not to do what I did. And so Paul was the trustee of the ministry, that, uh, and I was the evangelist, the traveling speaking. And he was arrested over the mail fraud issue, which is real dumb on its face. And so he's, he's awaiting sentencing now and could get, uh, well, the max sentence is a year. And he's already been in for almost a year in county jail with me. Uh, but uh, uh, he, should get, he, sh he should get nothing. He should get time served, go home, or better yet, throw out the charge. They can still throw out the charge, and they should. Yeah, I'm still a little confused on how do they find you how do they dismiss your contempt of court, but how does Paul's not get dismissed with it? I, I, I don't, don't get it. Yeah, I, don't I don't understand. I don't understand all that either. You can write to him. Uh, he can he can come on your program from the county jail. He can do a he can call you or uh, they've got a like a video phone in there. We can see him and record it. Uh, there's yeah, several to line up on. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I said we've we've had him on. We talked to Paul. I think you know. What last May? Yeah. So I mean, we talked to him before he, the, all this mail fraud stuff happened. Um, so and we've talked to him since. But you know, um, I, I was uh, I, I'm trying to do some more episodes to help that cause and keep following what's going on with Paul. Um, and I was wondering. Uh, I know that you had given me uh, Greg Dixon's number. 
um, Dr. Greg Dixon from the Indianapolis Baptist Temple case. And I really, I don't know, if you, I don't know if you talked to him still, but I'd be really interested in, um, in, in contacting him and just doing an hour with him and like getting his testimony and talk about his story just to shed some more light on this whole thing. I don't have it here. Um, he publishes a magazine. I can't think of the name of it right now, but he lives in central Florida. Um, I would know the town if I heard it. It's near Ocala. Uh, Greg Dixon, D-I-X-O-N, Dr. Greg Dixon. You can probably Google it. He's 85 years old, but still very active in, in this uh, legal battles over this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, you, you ought to have him on. He's a great guy, good friend of mine. Actually, yeah. wait a minute. I may I may have contact info for him here. Hold on one second. Uh, yeah, he was the pastor of a large church in Indianapolis, Indianapolis Baptist Temple. The government seized it and bulldozed it, bulldozed it down. Uh, okay, here's his number, 317-414-3478. That's Pastor Dixon's uh, number, so give him a call. Tell him I said hi. Thank you. Um, all right. And I was going to just ask you real quick, Kent, would you like us to send you some T-shirts? Because we got all these We Demand Hope Indication T-shirts here still that we're... Oh, that would be awesome. Great <laughs> <That's laughs> Your entire family, and then that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be cool. So, Ken, I, I do have another question for you. Are you planning on reopening Dinosaur Adventureland soon? Or I wish is... I, yeah, I wish I could answer that. I don't know. I want to, badly. Okay. Uh, it's, on, it's on my wish list. <laughs> and if it does reopen, can I get a free ticket? Yes, sir. <laughs> Yay! Glad. Yes, sir. It was the most fun place on planet Earth. <laughs> Sounds and like kids it. would kids would cry at closing time. We had one family come spend two days at Dinosaur Adventureland, then they spent two days at Disney. On the way home, the kids told their parents, "Why did we waste two days at Disney?" <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it, it was just it was, and it's all in my backyard, and it's all purposely low tech. I mean, it's you know, it's just and it was just plain fun. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Tell us, keep up the great work. I need to go here, uh, but if I can help in any way, let me know. All right. Thank you so much, Kent. Thanks. We appreciate right, your Kent. time. And uh, okay. ha have fun as a free man-ish. Uh, I'm going to try. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. That was Dr. Kent Hovind. Awesome, awesome gentleman. Um, just really, really just has a, having a, had a hard time the past decade, folks. So um, luckily, let's let's give a thank you to Sam and Dan for hanging on the line with us. Guys, we wanted to have you here because, um, you know, even as a silent watchman over most of the episode, just because you guys have been so involved with uh, Dr. Kent's, uh, I don't know, adventures behind bars. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you'd say so involved. I mean, in the last... What, nine months, would you say? Eight months or so? Really, it, the interesting thing is, Basil, we found out we could talk to him at the Prophecy Forum. Like, Sam walks up to me in front of your guys' table and say, dude, Ark just talked to Dr. Ken Hoven from Ark and Neo. Wow. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, he can set us up. And I'm like, do it. Um, and I, I think Sam even said something like, but we won't tell Basil and Gons because we don't want... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly that. <laughs> it was something along those lines. <laughs> Rivalry. 
<laughs> okay, well that's so that's cool. So you know the really the only reason you got to do it was because you know Gon spent so much time setting up that conference, and uh, you know so you're welcome. It's true, and we we distracted you by having you come on our um, our outro there at the conference floor. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah to uh, play the, there we go. play the banjo. What? Hey, yeah, hey, did you guys did you guys hear that that Tom Bionic's wife is pregnant? Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I am not on the newsletter. Tom Bionic's going to be a daddy. <laughs> Tom Bionic, baby Bionic. We we haven't had Tom on the show yet, and we've tried like two or three times. That's okay. We've tried to get Dr. Future. He's too busy, so we'll call it even. Okay. <laughs> and when we tried to get Tom on, too, he was like, hey, send me you know, a list of questions you have. And so I said, okay. And um, then we that's kind of not how we operate. <laughs> We don't yeah. write questions. It'd probably be a better show if we did do that. Probably. Um, okay, so back on the topic at hand, folks. Um, so, I mean, what was it? What did you do? You called him at his fancy jail cell phone. I mean, I've been watching Orange Is the New Black, and they hide cell phones everywhere. Is that well, what happened? Yeah, uh, we called him up. He's, he had a, a personal jail secretary. Uh-huh. Uh, we we <laughs> and no, not really. No, it did. Well, he did have a secretary sort of on the outside. He had yeah. a, a, a lady named Laura Beth. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, shout out to her if she's listening. Um, she she ha- handled everything for Kent, his mail and everything, went there every day. I think she lives like a, a maybe a block away from the jail. Right. So um, that worked out really well um, for him. And um, But <clears throat> I will say this, the, the day that I was awaiting Kent's call, because you had to set up a collect call, like a collect account, and the day that, that I was waiting for it, the phone finally rang, and it was a Florida call. And I was working on Dan's apartment. We were, we were working here in the campground during the winter on, oh, on yeah. Dan's apartment that we got finished by the, end of this, by the start of the season. And anyway, <clears throat> I ran out, and it's you know icy deck and everything that I'm, I'm running on to go answer this call and then hit recording on my computer um, across the street. And wouldn't you know, I slip like on ice. <laughs> Bail, my phone falls out, the battery detaches. Oh no. Feeling <laughs> ever, but he did end up calling back, you know, so I did end up getting to talk to him. There's so. been a lot of spiritual warfare with this. That was uh that was the enemy's opening move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is that is a good right hook. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. So after that you guys just sort of talked and developed a relationship and you guys have been doing a lot of stuff to raise money and raise awareness. I mean, you mentioned the t-shirts that you had, you mentioned uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we I, well, I came on your guys' show and thanks for having me for that flyby back in the winter. I think my my feet were frozen solid just from sitting in that car in that jewel parking lot. So <laughs> <laughs> But uh anyway, um I think I pretty much mentioned most of the background of the situation uh, there, but we started freekent.com. We've raised, I think I sent, I know I sent a thousand dollars to Ernie land and I have almost another thousand raised for a bunch of t-shirts and the compilation uh, that we put out. So uh, it's been going good. I mean, not, not as probably good as some mega mainstream campaigns, but uh, uh, we just thank everybody that's contributed and everybody who's wearing that t-shirt. Well, there you go. And if you guys haven't seen that T-shirt, you can go ahead and go to godspropertyradio.com or go to the Facebook. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Okay. You can go to freekent.com and still get all that stuff. So. Cool, cool. And that'll go straight to his uh, 
post incarceration uh, recovery? Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing: is that just because Kent's out doesn't mean Paul's out. So right now, I'm I'm feeling like I got to tackle this Paul thing right now and kind of keep going down the rabbit trail on the legal side. So um, I'm gonna probably be talking to him soon and talking to some other people to try to help shed more light on the situation. But all of the money that we'll raise, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, we can we can also send some of that to Paul too because he doesn't have anything right now either. Right. Awesome. Well. There you have it, folks. I think that's about it. Make sure to go to godspropertyradio.com. We got uh, freecanthovind.com. Hovind. Kenthovind.com. What yeah. else do we got there? Does he have his own website and stuff like that? We, he had to jump off real quick. He, he said that he's got drdino.com. I wasn't aware Dr. Dino was back up yet. Um, okay. Do you want to type that in maybe and find out? I don't know. We can leave it to the listeners to find out. There you go. I'm trying now. It's not. I know. It's creationtoday.org. It's just it just forwards it. Eric's website. Yeah, that's it's that's his son's. Yeah, um, it just forwards it. 301 redirect to creationtoday.org. Okay. Well, there you go. Also, uh, he's got a uh, what was it? A YouTube channel. Um, Lone Star 1776. Is that what it was? That's another guy's youtube channel and right. we've linked some of that guy his name's rudy he's been a huge help um after i talked to you guys he he's the guy who kind of spawned like this huge movement of people that were doing more of like the writing congress thing you know right. so uh he kind of was the manager of the whole movement yeah he he really really was uh some i'll tell you that and, but, kent, um, and kent has done a bunch of uh interviews from jail there yep oh, yeah. okay so you can kind of get more of the history there everybody all right, well, there you have it, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. Until you do, think outside the cage. Think outside the coin. That makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) The the coin? The The coin. God's proper radio. The coin with with a T? (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't get it. You you guys, I don't get your guys' branding. Coins. Okay. (laughs) God's property. Okay.
really hope you enjoyed this episode with Kent Hovind. Truly, kind of an interesting, uh, you know, modern-day Christian imprisonment story. So we hope you enjoyed that, and go ahead and follow um, more of his information in all of the places. Google it. It's there. So we just wanted to take a moment to address the short message that I sped through at the top of the episode um, about these awesome Canary Cry USB archival thingies. Now, some people may get a little upset that we're asking for some financial help with these things and, and the rest of the podcast. But, you know, a lot of stuff goes into making a podcast. And as you can see with our recent inconsistencies, you know, life really gets in the way, especially when we're having to pay the bills and having to do all these things on top of making a podcast, which is not free. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes into making a podcast, right, Gons? Yeah, there's a lot. Right. I mean, there's things from website maintenance to feed maintenance to keeping track of all of the accounts that we have that keep the Canary Cry Radio going. Those are accounts with services that make it available to you. There's doing the the art, which takes time. There's scheduling guests. There's doing research. Endless amounts of research, guys. You have no idea. It never ends. <laughs> and then once we're on the line with a guest, Gons, how long are we on the line usually? Oh, I would say for an hour and a half episode, we're probably on the line for about three hours. Yeah, at least three hours. At least three hours. This is just the way it is. It takes a lot of time to make a Canary Cry radio episode. And hey, we feel bad that we're not able to put out more, but we hope you guys understand. And then on top of that, once the episode is recorded and everything else, then Gons here, the magic finger Gons, as I like to call him, uh, <laughs> has to go ahead and edit the episode. And Gons, how long does it take for one hour and a half episode to get edited? Well, it depends on the episode, obviously. Too long, everybody. Uh, okay. Way too long. It takes hours and hours and hours. Trust me. Gons has to sit there and do it. I have to sit there and hear him griping about how he <laughs> did it. <laughs> and it's, it's a serious business. So first of all, we'd like to apologize to everybody about the inconsistency of the show as of late, but we really, really would like to rectify that. Now, this brings us to the USB archival project of Canary Cry Radio. As you heard before, we are currently putting together gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes of all 100 episodes, all the flybys, a select music album chosen the best tracks from Canary Cry Radio episodes. Who doesn't love the music? Like I said, it's like one of the best parts. And we're putting them all on this USB drive. And uh, it's waterproof. It's shaped like a credit card. You can keep it in your wallet, take it with you everywhere. But on top of all those things, we're also going to be making um, some notes. Not just the show notes you're used to reading on CanaryCryRadio.com, but also, you know, some episodes happened in the past and things in those episodes need to be commented on, such as 2012 Apocalypse. Obviously, uh, some notes to be made about that. Also, teleporting to Mars. It's true. I did it. I've been there. I saw Obama. It's incredible. <laughs> Just kidding. Not yet. Anyhow, so there'll be that. It's really going to be a really cool archival tool for Canary Cry Radio. I mean, and like I said before, if the internet's gone, if... 
for whatever reason, Canary Cry Radio disappears. We want these things to be out there so the Lord can use it, inform people, teach people, touch people's hearts, make them realize that they're not alone in their questioning of the world around them and things like that. So if you'd like one of these Canary Cry Radio archival USB drives, you can go to canarycryradio.com, go to the support tab and sign up for $15 a month gift. Now we realize that, uh, you know, asking for money is a sensitive subject. These USB drives, I'll be honest with you guys, they are not cheap. They are not cheap unless we buy like 10,000 at a time, <laughs> which we are just unable to do. So what we're going to do is from now, this is episode 96 all the way up to episode 100. We'll be accepting um, orders for these. And if you make a $15 uh, gift a month. You can sign up. It happens automatically. Just do it. Forget about it. It's awesome. We'll send you one of these USB drives. And if you're already a subscriber for a monthly gift for $15 or more, we'll just send you one. We will send it to you. And if you're monthly subscriber for like $5 or less than $15, then all you got to do is go and upgrade that to $15 and we'll send you one. Super easy. It's great. Right, Gons? Yep. Yep. All right. So there you have it, everybody. Uh, we sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. Really, a really interesting modern story of um, Christian persecution. And, uh, you know, if you, if you feel like this is one of the episodes that deserves to live on in hard copy, archived in your wallet and everything else, please consider going to Canary Cry Radio, go to the support tab and uh, get involved. Go do that. And... We promise to be more, more uh, consistent with posting episodes. That'll help us out. Yep. All right. All right. Sound good, guys? Sorry, I've been uh, busy editing over here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're cutting into editing time, everybody. All right. There you go, guys. Oh, one more thing. We're oh. on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on YouTube. YouTube channel, Canary Cry Radio. YouTube channel, Canary Cry Radio. Sock puppets, episodes, other awesome stuff. Go there, subscribe, do it. 